So hopefully you were all able to enjoy a wonderful Thanksgiving with family, with friends. I see strange faces in here that I haven't seen before. Um, that doesn't mean you've got a strange face. Um, just means I haven't seen you before. Um, and, and that tells me that people actually came to Pullman for Thanksgiving. Um, and I also see that there are people who aren't here that I normally see, which tells me some people left Pullman for Thanksgiving, um, which is great. People are getting together with their family, getting together with their friends. Um, and, and hopefully in the process, uh, not too much turkey was eaten. But um, we did not eat turkey in my house, actually. Um, yeah, right? I'm getting funny looks. Um, to be honest, when it's just our family, we're just, we, we didn't get together with anybody. It was just four of us. And a 25-pound turkey means there's leftovers for a month. And turkey's not my favorite thing to eat for leftovers for that long. So we had steak, um, which is my favorite thing to have for leftovers. So it's kind of a win. Um, all right. Um, my name is Rob Crossler, for those of you who don't know me. Um, and I am speaking today because Pastor Jamie and Pastor Heidi um, are out of town this weekend. Uh, so they asked if I would fill in and, and speak. And um, as I get into speaking, I thought I'd let you know a little bit about me. And in particular, where life has taken myself and my family, which I think will help you to understand the context of what I'll be talking about today. So I was born in Moscow. Um, seven miles down the road in that other university town. Um, I spent some time growing up in Colfax, Washington, um, and Deer Lodge, Montana, and ultimately came back to Moscow to go to high school. Um, my parents actually got divorced when I was a teenager, and, and I came back to Moscow with my mom, where I attended high school, and I got my degree at the University of Idaho, my undergraduate. Um, while attending the University of Idaho, I met my lovely wife, Crystal, um, we got married as undergraduates, um, and I graduated, and she wasn't done with school yet. Um, so I took a job in Eugene, Oregon, working for the University of Oregon, and that was for two reasons. Primarily, one, um, so she could finish school. They had some nice benefits for spouses to be able to, to go to school on, on the cheap. Um, and it was in the middle of what's uh, referred to as the dot-com bust. Right uh, around uh, the year 2000, our economy did this little number where just before Y2K, there were a lot of jobs. Right afterwards, not so much. Um, I was in the information systems field, and that was really the only job offer I had. So uh, we became ducks, um, and my wife is, is definitely still very much a duck. Um, in Eugene, that was where our kids were born. David and Aiden um, are both uh, Oregonians by birth. Um, and when they were little, one and three, uh, we got this crazy idea to go to graduate school. So we up and moved from Eugene, Oregon to Blacksburg, Virginia with a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old dog. Um, let me just say, that was probably uh, one of the greatest adventures of our lives, driving 2,500 miles with all of them in our vehicles. So... Um, yeah, I'm not sure I want to do that with small children ever again, but uh, at the time it was quite the adventure. My wife had never been east of the Mississippi River before we actually drove across it uh, on the way to Blacksburg, Virginia. Upon completing my doctoral program, again, in the midst of the, a downturn in the economy, I, I made the decision I probably should not get another degree. Um, I graduated in 2009, which was the time of the Great Recession, they call it, and the only job offer I got was to move to a town um, called Edinburgh, Texas, uh, about as 
far south in Texas as you can go without being in Mexico. So that was my, my first academic job um, where we lived for about two and a half years. Um, thankfully, while I was there, um, I recognized some success in my research and had the opportunity to go to an R1 research school. And we actually moved north to Mississippi. Um, not many people can say they moved north to Mississippi. Um, where I worked at Mississippi State University for four and a half years um, before having the opportunity to come to work at WSU um, approximately three years ago. So with this background, it makes sense um, that I've been asked this question more than once. Having moved so much, how do you make friends? Um, which I, I think is a very uh, valid question. I'm not sure I am an expert on that question, but I have had a lot of practice of having to start all over again with that process of, of meeting new people and making friends. Um, so I have an answer for that question that, that I give when people ask, but I started to think, okay, you have your answer, but what does the Bible actually say about making friends? And so I um, started digging into that. Um, but before I go there and kind of share with you what, what's been revealed to me as I stepped into um, into that, let me share with you some of the things um, that I've learned upon life's journey um, that in some ways I don't think are the best ways to make friends. So when Crystal and I first moved to Eugene, right, we're young 20-somethings, and, and we are in a new town, we want to make friends, and we said, hmm, let's join a bowling league. As it turns out, joining a bowling league is probably not the best way to make friends. Um, we met a few people who became acquaintances, perhaps, but not friends. Um, but we did learn that bowling can bring out the worst in competitive people. And it amazed us at how seriously some people take bowling. Um, I, I vividly remember a man berating his wife over the fact that she did not bowl up to her average this morning. And I was like, wow, I never want to be that guy. <laughs> Learned some things. So having seen how that didn't work, we said, well, let's join a church of people in the same life stages. So we found a church, people in the same life stages, and, and I think that was probably a step in the right direction. However, just joining a church does not help one to make friends. It actually took us doing some other things. Um, I joined the church softball team. Started making some community there. That wasn't quite enough. It helped a little bit. My wife went to a women's retreat. Got to know some women, and that helped a little bit. And then we moved. We actually moved across town, not to a whole other community. But we moved across town from a, a little apartment that we were renting. Um, we had a, a David on the way, and we were actually able to rent a house. And so we invited the people I played softball with, whose wives happened to be the people that went to the women's retreat with my wife, over to help us move, and we fed them hamburgers. And lo and behold, this really started a process of helping us to build some relationships and some friendships um, that we're actually looking forward to getting back together with them when we're going to be in Eugene uh, next month. So really with the foundation of starting some relationships there. And, and I think kind of what we walk through summarizes at a very basic level um, what I found as I explored what the Bible had to say. If I were to summarize uh, something I did right, um, and, and I think I'm giving away a little bit uh, of a takeaway from this entire message, was in order to make friends, you need to find a small community of Christian brothers and sisters and live life with them. 
in a nugget, giving it all away right there. I, I, I think that's really um, what we see. And I'll go into some more details as we get further. Um, as I reflect on the successful friends I have made along this journey, that's really how I would summarize how it's happened in each unique individual friend. Um, all right, enough about me. Um, I'll give examples to you, so you'll hear more of my story as we get through. But I, I really want to look at, at what the Bible says. So as I began this process, it was hard because the Bible, to be honest, doesn't have a lot of examples of how to make friends. Um, there's examples in there of, of good relationships, good friendships like David and Jonathan, of Ruth and Naomi. And, and we see some things about uh, how their friendships evolved and what they were like. But that, that initial process of, of making friends, it was, it was difficult to find a great, you know, here's, here's the book, right? Follow this verse, boom, laid out planning manual, good to go. No, it wasn't that way. Um, and so I was reading on the internet. I was looking for what other people had to say. And I got pointed to the whole idea of Jesus. And when Jesus ultimately had disciples, they were his close friends. They were the people that he lived life with. And so for those examples, I'm going to look to what did Jesus do as he started his ministry and he started bringing on board his disciples, these people, that he would actually go through life with as he was um, especially living out those final days for us. Um, so as I go through this, uh, if you have one of these Bibles, I actually will share with you page numbers. I don't have PowerPoint slides, um, but I did write down page numbers, so it'll be easy for you to find, easy for you to follow along. Um, and we're going to be around page 500. So that is, if, if you say something about Jesus and what, what, what Jesus did, we're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, that's where we see Jesus at, at, at most of what's going on here. So the first place I want to look is on page 502. And we're going to look at Luke 6, verses 12 through 13. Okay, so there's a family of Jesus' days went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. So in this example, what we see is that Jesus prayed. Before he made choices about who his friends were, he prayed. Um, he prayed all night. It wasn't just a, a one-time prayer. He committed himself to prayer before he went and chose the 12 that were going to be part of this closest group of apostles or those friends that he had with him. This shows us that his choice in who he chose as friends was not haphazard. It was actually done with much prayer and much consideration with it from the Father, as did our choice in making friends. So going back to the example I gave you, um, when my wife and I, knew that we desired friends, being new people in a new community can be lonely, right? We've got each other, which is great. I'm not uh, belittling anything that, that we have in our relationship, but we desired relationship with others. And so one of the things that we did through that process is we prayed. We prayed that God would bring us friends. Now, we didn't know what we were doing. We're not friend checks out there or anything like that. But I really do believe that it was that prayer, that seeking after the Father, that set us up on a course um, to make friends. Um, the second thing that Jesus did was that he 
proactively chosen people. If you look at page 526 in John verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 28, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and bring fruit to abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. In this passage, if we, if we think about it from the, the context of Jesus speaking to them, people did not choose him. It was the other way around. He went out and chose them. Although this passage, I think, does also refer to salvation in terms of those efforts, I, I think it also shows this methodology of choosing friends being proactive and not there's something that he was purposeful uh, about doing. And consequently, we need to determine in our hearts who we should pursue because of that. Who are those around us that as we're praying, we're being led to relationship and to personal salvation? Don't merely pick those who desire to be close to you. Um, it may be that those aren't the right people to have as close to you. He proactively chooses people based on the Lord's plan. Um, not everyone who wanted to be close to him, who wanted to be those 12 disciples, were actually chosen. Uh, if we go and we look at um, in Jesus' time, you know, there was a multitude of people. He had an inner circle of three, and then he had another 12 that were close to him, and then another 70. But there were a whole lot of other people that if they got to pick, they would have been like, I'm out. Right? And Jesus was very purposeful about those he picked to have around him and to pray with him. Let me provide you another example about how being proactive works well in developing your friendship um, and other relationships. So we, we've heard about and, and briefly met a family that homeschools. Something that we've done um, through our kids growing up here is we've homeschooled our kids. Um, we have this thing in common with them. And we were told, those people, they really love the Lord. We're like, okay, homeschool, they really love the Lord. We've met them, we kind of had a connection, um, an interaction briefly with them, realized that they were people that we wanted to be friends with. And so after church one day, we ended up going to Pizza Hut. And um, they had five children, and, and we ate pizza, and we got to know them, and um, they had kids about our kids' age, so you know, it was kind of, kind of fun. Um, and we learned about them that they were doing this perpetual remodel of their house, right? So you maybe know people like this, the whole... Uh, you know, we watch the TV shows where you have a house that could use some work and you, you perennially work on it and eventually it goes boondock. They were in the process of going boondock. And, and he had mentioned that um, they're getting ready to lay tile and he was a kid. Never laid tile before. And I said, you know, I learned some life mistakes laying tile and that's really fun. Um, <laughs> m- maybe I can share with you what I learned um, and, and that will help you to not make the same mistakes I made. So we went over to their house, um, gave some advice. Before you know it, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, two days later, and we were there on the floor laying tile, and the kids were passed out watching TV somewhere. And, and it was the start of this relationship um, because he had a need. I was able to help at some level, and it was very purposeful to step into his life um, and, and, and to make that connection. To this day, we're close friends with them. We were actually we were supposed to have FaceTime pizza um, for their little ones that 
adopters are not doing well, and they have not really had the ability to actually plant. But last December, we actually went to Tyler, Texas, um, and we visited them for a week, and, and they're still, we get back together, and we're still friends at that same place that we were before we ever moved out of Texas. As, as I've gone through this process thinking about it differently, it's been like really fun to think of people that I've known along life's journey and to kind of idolize. Um, for me, it's been very therapeutic. I've texted them and I said, "You're showing up in my messages," and they're reading it and they're like, "Oh, good." Um, but uh, but it's it's rekindled even some conversations, and uh, it, it's been very fun. The third thing that I came across is that Jesus's friends they live their lives if you look on page 526 with your Bible, in John chapter 15, verse 14, it says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not believe this means you can look for friends to do what we command. Maybe, I don't know. It's probably not. They're not it's not talking about us being like that. What I think it tells us, though, is that it would be foolish for a believer to make their closest friends and confidants people who live pur- purposeful left lives in service. Or to put it another way, it's wise to have those people who are close to you be people who are seeking Jesus. If these are the people you're going to open your hearts up to, that you're going to share life with, you want them to be on the same course as you are as far as what's guiding you and what's driving your decisions. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to agree on everything. But if you're both pursuing the Lord and looking to his word to guide you, well, then your advice and your counsel you're going to receive along the way is actually going to be inspired by God himself and not just by what you think you need to hear. And it gets audible over time. Um, so when I, I, I see that. You, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Well, that's talking about God's friends. And if we want our friends to also be God's friends, they're going to be living their with or have friends who do not follow Christ, because the Bible tells us, if we look on page 505 in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, tells us, and Jesus said to them, pick one, okay, Luke chapter 7, we can be part of that process that actually helps to lead them to know the one who died. 
Um, so, so I think it's good to have those things laid down. But if you look at Jesus, he did not invest the majority of his time with his disciples. He actually invested most of his time with his disciples or those who were also disciples of his. So I think we can learn some, some examples from Jesus. If we look at other examples in the Bible, we see that Paul encouraged Timothy to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in 2 Timothy 2.16. Much like this advice from Paul to Timothy, we should not be close friends with someone unless they are serious about pursuing holiness. Amen. That theme. Who is it that we're pursuing holiness with? In the example I provided earlier when I was making friends in the East in Florida that resulted from developing relationships with people my wife had gone to a women's retreat with that I played with on the church softball team, we put ourselves in a place to develop relationships with people who were also Christians. This opportunity also played itself out in other places in the church. When we lived in Virginia, Texas, and even Mississippi, some of our best relationships were founded with people that we were in life groups with. Now, to kind of give you an idea of what this life group is all about, we spent time every week to get together, and we would play some Bibles together, read the Bible together. But more importantly, I really think, in most relationships, the purposes of groups weren't necessarily about reading a Bible study together, but they were about becoming intentional disciples of Jesus. So we'd meet together usually. Um, during that time of, of breaking bread, we would actually share life experiences. We would share kind of what was going on. Um, we'd then study the Bible together and, and became very, very intentional about living life together. When good times were good, we could celebrate in different ways. When life was rough or challenging, whether it was uh, you know, unable to have a, a child with partial gestation or losing heartaches of life, we were able to really walk through those things together, and we'd have this community where we were sharing and receiving grace from each other. Um, these, these relationships, these friendships are still those that we're close to today, even though we're hundreds of thousands of miles away from each other. I think, uh, much like Jesus, what you're doing as you build those relationships is, again, you're surrounding yourself with people who are teaching you teaching you the fourth point if we go to page 489 heading over to mark jesus chose his friends to be with them in order to send them out and in mark chapter 3 verse 14 it tells us appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach this is the, the primary expectation of, of Jesus um, that he had as they first would be saved is they would spend this time together they had to learn to do life together not just with their Bible studies not just at church or synagogue or, or whatever the, the term we use however the ultimate result of their proximity to him was to be sent out to preach. After all, how could they proclaim a Jesus they did not know? And how could they know him unless they had spent time with him? No 
who has a cell phone as a friend before they have spent much time with them and personally gotten to know them. As, as I consider this point about Jesus and his friends, I do not necessarily think that it means that all your friends need to be people who want your best. You could read it that way, couldn't you? Every friend I have, we're going to send them off and, and we're going to be surrounded by people who, who go out on their own. No, I think having a heart for loving the Lord and finding ways to share him in a way that looks to you and where God has you in your life are traits and attributes we want to look for. The best way I have to dem- demonstrate this is, is with an example. Um, when we lived in Mexico, when we lived there, I actually uh, had the opportunity to go to Nashville, Tennessee on a mission trip. Yeah, that's a hell of a thing, baby. Um, the purpose of the mission trip was to reach out to refugees in that city. That's a gospel thing. Little side note, something I learned. Nashville, Tennessee is actually one of, uh, I think, two, um, one of the top five refugee cities in the world. So refugees from um, the conflict districts in Egypt, uh, there were people from uh, other Middle Eastern countries, all got plopped in Nashville, Tennessee, of all places, um, to really start their lives over again as they fled um, being persecuted in their their respective areas. And so uh, we were part of this mission trip. was led by a man named Mo, and um, Mo had quite a story of life, uh, a life that Jesus had led him there to reach out to people in that city, and as a result of the things that the Lord did through his life, um, he was on fire. He was crazy on fire for the Lord, and he was contagious um, in a lot of ways, and getting to know Mo as part of this mission trip and Jesus through Mo, he challenged me. He challenged me to be more open about sharing the Lord. Why are you hiding from me? Um, And and really pushed in in how to do that and and to be more willing. Um, And to be honest, it was scary. I didn't like it. Um, I was in a comfort zone as it relates to my faith journey. Um, And and it is challenging to get your boundaries pushed um, and to have them pushed by someone who is pushing you in that direction of being more open to sharing what the Lord developed a relationship with someone in a way that I, I don't think I could have otherwise. And I really think that challenges the idea of equality and inclusiveness and the whole idea of being responsive to where you're at. Where are you walking and how are you sharing with the Lord and how are you celebrating the Lord? So my question to you is, how are your friends challenging you to equality
right? We have to get there today. Thank you for giving me a hand and walking me in. As I thought about this one, it was somewhat hard to think about the same thing. On the one example of it, there was a time where actually I had a friend get sick without me trying to do anything. And that was hard. So without going into too many details, um, I was just a group of friends. I was there for about two months. We happened to be in an airway